Vincent Werbergs, Derby. Last month, uh, for many of us, was kind of summer holiday time, and, and particularly if you've got kids, it's the time when you have to pay extortionate amounts to go to the same place that you go to the other points of the year uh, for a lot less money. And uh, we actually went to go and see my dad, because he lives in the USA, and that's quite good, because it means we don't have to pay quite so much. And my dad lives in a place called Iowa, which, if you've never heard of, is kind of the middle of nowhere. Think Chicago and go left for about six hours. And we went to see him for a little bit, and then we thought, right, we're going to go on a road trip. So we drove from where he is in the middle of nowhere to another bit of middle of nowhere called South Dakota. And uh, there, are, there are probably very few people from Britain ever go there. Mount Rushmore's there, which is quite cool. But we went to this city called uh, Rapid City, and we went to a rodeo. And when I was growing up, I never lived in the USA, but my, I would often go out there. And so I went to rodeos as a teenager, and I wanted to take my kids to one. And my wife was quite nervous about what a rodeo was like. She wasn't quite sure. I put on a check shirt because I was trying to fit in. Um, and we went in there, and we were enjoying it. You know, lots of fun stuff was going on. But it didn't take long for me to look around and think, oh, my goodness, I'm not sure we belong here. There were some of the mics, sorry, some of the jokes on the microphone the guy was telling, and I was trying to struggle to understand. Some of the things he was saying, I was like, you wouldn't get away with that in the UK. Um, some of the T-shirts that people were wearing, the political messages on them, were a little bit different from what we might expect. People were scoring people riding on bucking broncos and kind of bull riding and stuff. And I'm like, how do you work out if that's a 4.5 or a 5 or a 6? Like, how does that work? How do you score that? And, you know, like, we were having a really good time but we very quickly realised this isn't home. This isn't really where we belong. And this evening we're going to be thinking about what does it mean to belong at Werbs? What does it mean to belong here? So, if you've got your Bible with you or you've got a Bible app on your phone, uh, can I encourage you to turn to the book of Haggai? Yes, it is a book of the Bible. I imagine it's not thumbed that much if you've got a paper Bible, um, but you might need to use the contents page to find it. It's very short. It's only a couple of chapters, um, and it's near the end of the Old Testament. Just to say, if you're here this evening and you're new to this God stuff, if somebody's dragged you to church and you're like, okay, I'm not sure about all this, we would love to give you a Bible this evening. There are some Bibles over here on a little table by the pillar. That is our gift to you for this evening. We believe that reading the Bible really will change your life. So, while everybody else turns to the book of Haggai, um, and it will appear on the screens behind me in a moment, I want to kind of give you some context, because I, I could be just throwing it out there, but I suspect that many of us don't know much about the book of Haggai. So, where is it? What's it about? Well, just to give you um, a kind of an idea, the, the big story of the Bible goes from creation to new creation. God creates the universe, he creates humanity, he creates humanity for a relationship with him, but then humanity, we fall away from him. God then picks a, a people, he picks Israel to have a covenant relationship with them, and sometimes they follow him and sometimes they wander away, it sounds quite familiar. And then God comes to earth in human flesh, the person of Jesus. He lives a perfect life. He dies a perfect death. He's raised from the dead. He ascends into heaven. And then he commissions his church to continue the words, works, and wonders of Jesus. And that's us, by the way. If we're followers of Jesus here this evening, this is our bit of the story. And then the story ends in eternity with new creation and new heavens and a new earth. 
And the book of Haggai falls in the Israel bit of the story. In fact, it falls in about 520 BC. And it's a point at which the people of God have, uh, they've massively fallen away from God. They've been taken away into exile in Babylon, think Baghdad, that kind of area. And then they've actually just begun to come back to Jerusalem. And the thing is, Jerusalem was destroyed. It was ransacked. The temple was destroyed. Loads of homes were destroyed. Anybody who was important was taken away to Babylon. And Haggai is the guy that turns up and he's like, God's got some things to say to you as you come back to Jerusalem. And there are about four things that he says. So if you found Haggai, we're going to look at just a few verses. So chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, and then we'll jump on to verses 13 to 15. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? And then we jump on to verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. For Jews, the temple was the centre of their life. It was the centre of their worship. It was the place where they came to offer sacrifice to God. It was the place where the community came together. It was a replica of a heavenly reality. And although God is everywhere in the world, God's tangible presence was in the temple. In fact, there was a place called the Holy of Holies where a priest could only go once a year with a sacrifice to go inside. God dwelt there in a special way. It was a way that the people of Israel knew that God was there with his people. It was a bit like maybe God's, I suppose, earthly timeshare apartment. And God says to me, he says, guys, why are you so worried about your panelled houses? Now, I don't know about you, for me, panelled houses are not a thing. Um, I'm not that fussed about having panels in my houses, but for these guys, that was a very important thing. So you might want to think about your 4K TVs, maybe your designer furniture, maybe your plush carpet. If you're a student, you're thinking, I don't know anything about that. But for some of us, that's what we kind of are aspiring to. And actually, God's saying, it's not about that. Why are you worrying about that when my temple is in ruin? And then if we jump forward to the time of uh, after Jesus, the New Testament, we find that actually we no longer have need for a temple. You see, Jesus was the true sacrifice. Jesus is the one we worship. Jesus is the way into God's presence. And the community of God's people is referred to as Jesus' body, the church. And so we, if we are followers of Jesus here this evening, we no, longer, we no longer need a temple like they used to have because we've got Jesus as our way to the Father. And you see, the temple that God is building is us. Some of you may have read the, the message, which is a kind of a, a paraphrase of the Bible. It says this in Ephesians. It says, you're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. 
with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He is using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. I think Anna said earlier on, as a church, we've only been in existence for two years. And right at the very beginning, when we first came together, we did a sermon series on home. Phil kept coming back to this idea of home. I know one day he would love to get some lights at the back that say home. You see, our longing is that at St. Werberg's that people would find a home here because God is quite at home here. Our longing is that people will find a home here because God is quite at home here. And yet maybe for many of us, you feel like my wife Rach and I and our kids do. Actually, we're in, you know, when we were at the rodeo, we enjoyed what was going on, but we're looking around and going, do you know what? I'm not sure I belong. Maybe I, I don't feel good enough to be here. Maybe I don't look like the person that sits over here. But actually we want this place to be a home for everyone who comes. You see, our ultimate longing is that words that people will meet with Jesus. That as we worship, we would find forgiveness, that we would, see his, we would hear his word preached, that we would meet God in baptism and in communion, that as we pray for one another, that we would see people get healed and lives transformed, that we would see transformation. And as we go out into the city, we would be agents of transformation in the places that we work or the places that we study, in the places we play football or go to the library, or whatever it is that we do, that as we go out, we'd be agents of transformation transformation because we know the God that transforms us. I want to say this evening that everyone is welcome at St. Werberg's. But what does it look like to really connect and belong here? And it's a good evening, particularly if you're a student and you're here tonight. What does it mean to belong to this church? I want to go back to Haggai. It says, I am with you, declares the Lord. And he stirs up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the remnant of the people. You see, these guys, they were building a physical temple. And do you know what? For the last two years, it, it feels a little bit like we've been building a physical temple sometimes. Getting the carpet down, getting the heating sorted, sorting out some toilets with locks on, getting a kitchen that works, making a, a coffee bar. And we are so, so grateful to everybody who's put time and energy and money into making this building a usable space for worship and much more. But ultimately, God is not building a physical temple here. He's building a temple of people that point to his son, Jesus. There's a spiritual reality to this building. And you see that God's spirit came to stir his people. And he needs to stir us today. A few weeks ago, Anna spoke about prayer. And she spoke about uh, showing up and speaking up and surrendering up. And if you're like me, you forget things really easily. So if I'm going to think about one of the ways to belong here, there we go. 
I got a little bit, um, had a little bit of fun with spray paint. It took me back to some days a long time ago um, before I loved and knew the old Jesus as much as I do now. Um, I mean, not much. You know, I, I, I don't have one of those testimonies, but um, there was an occasion. Anyway, I know some of you can't see it that well. I'll leave it there, but um, it says the word pray on for those of that kind of visual learners. So if you want to belong at Werbs, the first thing, I've got three points, not long. The first thing I want you to think about is being a prayer. Every time we meet together as a staff team, we come together every week and we share stories of what God is doing. And do you know what? I've never shown up at a week where we haven't been able to say, do you know what? Somebody invited somebody to Alpha this week. Somebody was able to pray with a friend at work. Somebody was able to um, you know, give, give some money to somebody that needed it. There's always stories of what is going on and God is doing through his people in this church. And actually, as we pray, all of that is rooted in prayer. But there's a danger, isn't there, that actually when we talk about prayer, we feel guilty. And I've got a confession to make to you. Um, I'm an ordained vicar in the Church of England. I virtually get paid to pray. All right, that's kind of part of my job, really. Um, And I find prayer quite hard sometimes. You know, I have to work at having a rhythm to prayer. I have to work at making sure I make time for it. Sometimes it goes out of the window. In fact, last, uh, well, a few weeks ago when Anna spoke about prayer, I was really kind of like, okay, I'm going to get myself a prayer journal again. I sometimes do prayer journals and sometimes it really works and sometimes it doesn't work. But I went out and bought myself a prayer journal. And some of you may find that kind of thing helpful. But can I say to you this evening, don't get caught up with thinking, oh my goodness, I, I, I haven't prayed. And therefore you feel bad about not praying and therefore you don't pray. And therefore you feel bad about not praying and therefore you don't pray. And you just end up in this cycle. Can I encourage you this evening to pray what you've got? If you're walking into uni, if you're commuting into work, then use that time to pray. If you're a person that enjoys writing stuff out and that's how you pray, then buy a prayer journal and write. If you're a person that enjoys doing artwork and that's how you find easy to connect with God, then do that. If you're a person that likes putting on worship music, then whack on Alexa and listen to Bethel or whatever takes your fancy and worship. But guys, can I encourage you to be a praying people? Pray what you've got. Don't feel guilty about it. There was only one person that prayed perfectly and that was Jesus. He had an unbroken relationship with the Father and he's praying for for us right now at the right hand of the Father. So he's got it and we can join him in prayer every single day. So be encouraged by it. Don't feel guilty by it. Haggai tells us then that after God's spirit had stirred up the people, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty. You see, the spirit stirred them, but they didn't just have a deep spiritual experience. They didn't just sing good grace again and again, as wonderful as that is. They didn't just pop some confetti cannons. I don't know what kind of crazy church would do that, and then we'll have to get the staff team to wander in on a Monday morning with confetti all over the place. It stirred them to work. It stirred them to action. And as I said, everyone is welcome at St. Werberg's, regardless of how involved they can be. But if you really want to feel like you connect and you belong, then alongside prayer, we can do something else. We can serve for you guys at the back. We can serve. So we can pray and we can serve. Last week, in the morning and the evening service, we heard about what St. Werberg's means to different people. And at the end uh, of the evening one, Dan said, you know, I found very quickly a place that I could serve. I think he'd only been here a week or so, and I said, Dan, can you jump on the doors? He's like, 
yeah, said, what do I have to do? I said, well, you have to put on a blue T-shirt, you have to smile at people, you have to kind of tell them where refreshments are, you have to connect them with people. Oh, I can do that. Very quickly found a place to serve. And as a church, there are so many ways in which you can serve. You could help on the kids' team in the morning. Do you know what? That's the reason we have the same service in the morning and the evening. It's not because we're lazy and can't think of anything else. It's because we want to provide people that serve in the morning a space to worship in the evening. And the people that worship in the evening, they can serve in the morning. We could, you could come and be on the doors team with a blue t-shirt. You could help with hospitality at the back. You could maybe come and be in the worship band. You could help on production. You could help pray for people at the end of the service in prayer ministry. There are so many ways in which you could serve. Now, just some caveats on that. There are some things where training is really helpful. I keep offering to Matt to lead worship and he keeps turning me down. Didn't you, bro? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm gifted. He's not quite so sure. So there's something about gifting and training. So it may not be that every team is the right place for you to be. But actually, there is a place for everyone to serve here at Werbs. And it says, Haggai said that they were working on the house of the Lord Almighty. And we might talk about building an authentic community, which is Christ-centred. Tim Matthews is the leader of St. Swithin's Bournemouth, which is part of our kind of network of churches, the HTB churches. And they started a few years before we did, um, and they got the place by the sea, and we got the place with hills. So, you know, it all works out all right in the end. Um, but Tim has this kind of image that he uses to the church. He says, guys, as a church, we're a battleship, we're not a cruise ship. We're a battleship, we're not a cruise ship. What does he mean? Well, on a cruise ship, lots of fun happens. It's a great time, you see incredible things, there's lots of entertainment. But most people there are there as guests. And the crew are running around looking after all of the guests. On a battleship, everyone is the crew. There are no passengers on um, a battleship. Just a caveat to that, there is a hospital wing. And we're aware that as church people turn, you, maybe that you're in this place this evening, but some of us are hurting and we're broken. Maybe we need time to refresh, we're burnt out. So there is a hospital wing on a battleship. But actually at Werbs, we want to call us to be a battleship and not a cruise ship, which means that if you're a follower of Jesus and this is your home, we want to say this evening, will you come and be part of the crew? Will you come and be part of the crew on this ship and be thinking about how you can serve? In the midst of this, I want to kind of say we do know that life is busy and complex for many of us. We know that many people work shifts. Some of us commute long distances into work. That many of us may have a job where we're kind of looking after large sums of money or responsible for lots of people. It may be that actually physically at the moment we're struggling or that we've got challenging mental health issues. And so it may be that serving for you at this time is very challenging or impossible for this season. And so if that's you, please do not feel guilty this evening. There is a hospital wing on this battleship that is St. Werberg's. Also, as a church, we, we've got this vision to play our part in transforming the city and beyond. And we know that actually most of our lives are not spent here in this building. Some of us may have been parts of churches where Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's a, there's a meeting at church every evening. Now we were really 
fortunate because we started a new church. When we looked at the diary at the beginning, we kind of looked at it and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, right, Sunday we're going to do church. And then Wednesday, let's pray because prayer is a really good thing and we want to be grounded in prayer. Ah, you know, the rest of the week we had, we had off. Everyone came up to us and said, well, you know, you're a vicar. What do you do the rest of the week? I said, what do you mean? We only work one day a week. So um, that's how it works. No, it doesn't really work like that, so I promise you. But actually, we would love you to, to come on a Sunday, be committed to gathering together on a Sunday. And we would love you to find a place you can serve or connect midweek in a Werbs group or one of our ministries. But actually, we want you to go and be Jesus people in the places where you work and study and play and not kind of continually feel you've got to be here. We want to play our part in transforming the city. And so serving isn't just about Sundays. It's not just about this building. It's serving God wherever we go and whatever we do. So to connect, to belong, we want you to be people that pray. We want you to be people that serve. And then in Haggai chapter 2, which we didn't read, it goes on. In fact, if you've never read Haggai, this evening it will take you about 10 minutes. It's two chapters. And then when you meet Haggai in eternity, you can say, Haggai, I read your book. It was a wonderful book. Okay? Otherwise, it's embarrassing, isn't it? He comes up to you and says, what do you think of my book? I didn't know you had a book. That would be, re- be really awkward. But tonight you do know he had a book. Anyway, Haggai chapter 2. It says, in a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Over the years, this church has had an incredible story. It was closed for 30 years, and then it's been open now for two. But actually, there were people even in this congregation today who were part of the church before it got closed down. And a few weeks ago, I met with an elderly Catholic priest who's from Derby, he's been here for many years, And you know what, we sat down and he began to tell me stories about the people who came to speak here back in the day. He began to tell me about those who were on the margins of society, found a place that they could belong and worship God here. He began to tell me of things the Holy Spirit did in this very building decades ago. And as we read in Haggai, they were beginning to rebuild the temple. And yet they looked at it and they're like, but this doesn't look as good as the one that we remember. This doesn't look as good as the one that got destroyed before we went into exile. And yet God promises them, he says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Now, I know that he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem. And actually, we're not big just on this building because we're God's temple in that sense. But actually, wouldn't that be an incredible thing for us to pray that the glory of this present house would be greater than the glory of the former house? Not that St. Werberg's that's good or that our name gets famous across Derby, but that the name of Jesus, is his fame and his renown is, is, goes out across Derby. Wouldn't that be incredible that people start going, I've heard that churches are not just closing in Derby, but life is beginning to happen, that people are coming to faith, that people are getting interested in this God stuff, that something is beginning to happen and I want to know what's going on. Wouldn't that be incredible that the glory of this present house would be greater than the glory of the former house?
And do you notice that in the middle of that section of Haggai, chapter 2, after confronting his people about their panelled houses, God says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Guys, we can pray and we can serve. And I need to apologise that I didn't have three boxes that were the same size. This is not a prophetic statement. Um, It's just I couldn't find a box the same size. Give. If you want to connect, if you want to belong at Werbs, be people that pray and be people that serve and be people that give. And friends, this isn't uh, just about money, but it's not about less than money. You know, so there are some churches that every week you go in, they talk about money and money and money. And then there are some churches that you go into and they never talk about money. And I don't know if we get it totally right. I'm sure we don't. But we, we want to talk about our wallets because it's part of our discipleship. Our discipleship to Jesus involves our whole lives, our time, our energy, our money, our skills, our passions, our ambitions. It's part of it. It's not all of it. It's part of it. And so we want to talk about money a little bit in that. Now, I don't know how many of you walk through Derby on a weekday afternoon. I do that quite a lot because we now work here in this building. And I often have to play um, dodge the chugger, you know, dodge the charity mugger. You're walking along and somebody says to you, oh, excuse me, uh, can I just speak to you? It won't only take a moment of your time. I just need to talk to you about this worthy cause. Now, I've got a little bit of a confession. I don't mean to upset anybody, but there are some things that are more likely to uh, kind of tug on my heartstrings than others. If I see a picture of a kitten or a picture of a cat, uh, it's less likely to uh, draw me over. Now, I know for some people in that room that's, that, that's the opposite, and I do believe in the renewal of all creation and that God, their creatures made uh, by God is very important. But just for me, that's not quite so, uh, you know, where I'm at. Now, If I saw something about a natural disaster or homelessness in Derby or something like that, that's where I'm at. But actually, the thing is, Jesus says that where um, our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And so if you see St. Werbergs as your church, if you trust it with your friendships, if you trust this as a church with your spiritual growth, can I encourage you to trust it with your money? Can I encourage you to trust it with your giving? And I I need to say, we are so grateful. I know within this room there are many of us that are giving week in, week out. We we set it up with our bank, our standing order, our direct debit goes out. Uh, We signed up for gift day, which means the the church gets the tax back. That is incredible. And thank you so, so much if that's you. And I need to say as well that Jesus tells a story, and this is a kind of a paraphrase of it. He tells, tells a story about a guy who wanders along and he's got a grand hanging out of his pocket and he drops it into the collection plate and he's like, look at me, I just got a grand hanging out, I put it in the collection pot. And then a lady walks along. And she pulls out some copper point. Copper point, copper points, pop, copper coins. <laughs> copper coins, copper coins, there we go. Takes out some copper coins and she puts those into the collection plate. And Jesus says, do you know what? The lady with the copper coins, she gave more than the guy with the grand hanging out. Because it's about our attitude and it's about sacrifice. It's not about the amount. God knows our hearts and he knows where our treasure is. Ultimately, the gold is his and the silver is his anyway, as it says in Haggai. Everything that we give was his anyway and he's given it to us on loan, so we just give him back to him what was already his. Do you know what? So often I hear stories, and I've been privileged to be at the receiving end of this, of people in churches that have supported one another financially. 
I heard stories recently of people that heard somebody needed a buggy, so they went onto eBay and they bought a buggy or a pushchair for these people that needed it. It wasn't for them, they just bought it. I know that yesterday there were people out delivering furniture in Derby for people that needed it. It's not just about giving in the collection, but it's actually about being generous people. We have a value here of being generous people, and we want to do that. And reminding ourselves, we can never outgive God. The person that gave the most was Jesus himself as he hung on the cross. Only one person gave perfectly. So that kind of allows us to follow him, knowing that only he did it perfectly. So friends, I want to say, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your background, you are welcome here at St. Wilberg's. That won't change. If you don't pray, if you don't serve, if you don't give, you are welcome here. But if you want to be somebody that connects and feels like they belong, if you want to be part of the crew on this battleship, can I encourage you to allow God's Spirit to stir you, to be somebody who prays, to be somebody who serves, and to be somebody who gives? I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for this new term. I want to thank you, Lord, that you draw us together as church. I want to thank you you build us together from every, every background, every tribe, every tongue. Father, I do ask that you would continue to build your church in this place, that Jesus' name might be made famous across Derby. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.